Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissette, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett. Today's guest is Marie Alessi. She's the mother of two boys. She's an influencer and speaker, and she's an author of the best-selling book, Loving Life After Loss. After her husband, Rob, passed from a brain aneurysm while he was on a business trip, she found and created her way back to joy. She instinctively knew it was the only path worthy for their young boys. Her husband had taught her the concept of two choices, and this one was made in his honor to make him proud. Marie has become a shining example of choosing love over fear and sadness. In her movement, Marie offers hope, healing, and happiness to the world when people expect it least and need it the most. Marie, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Janet, thank you so much for having me. I am looking forward to this conversation because I believe this is something that a lot of people need to hear. We deal with death Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. We hear it and see it on the news. It's in your neighborhoods. It's in your family, amongst your friend group. We deal with grief on an individual basis. I wanted to have that conversation with you today. Let's rewind to learn a little bit more about your story. I am originally from Austria. And when I was in my early 20s, I followed a very strong calling to come to Australia and explore this country. I always had this feeling that I belong here. It was very bizarre. I couldn't really explain it. So in my mid-20s, I came here for the first time and it felt like coming home after ages. It was such an intense feeling of coming home that I knew I had to make this happen. It took me about seven years, but I finally moved here for good in 2004. And only 10 months later, I met my husband. I felt, oh my goodness, this whole journey really led me to where I needed to be. When I met Rob, I just knew. You know how many people say to you, when you know, you know, this weird concept of when you get married, people are like, when you know, you know. And I'm like, what are they talking about? And then I met Rob and I was like, ah, that's what they're talking about. So I just knew it was incredible. And Another 10 months later, we were married. I would have never thought that if anybody would have told me you're moving to the other side of the world and 10 months later, you meet someone and another 10 months later, you're married. I'm like, no way. He's Mr. Right. He'll still be Mr. Right after three to five years. No rush. But with Rob, there was just an, of course, (laughs) let's do this. So we got married, had our two beautiful boys two and four years later. I left the advertising industry that I worked in at the time when we started a family because I had seen too many people try to make it work. It never works with career and family. And then I delved into the self-development world. I started with mindset coaching. I absolutely loved it. I 
started off with moms going back into the workforce and then worked my way up and started running group classes and to work with higher level owners to help them with their personal growth to achieve business growth. So there was a lot of mindset work that I focused on. I did that for about seven years. And then in June 2018, Rob went on a business trip and never came back. So Rob died super unexpectedly from a brain aneurysm while he was away from us. It was just one of those rugged underneath your feet moment where everything is just deafening silence and everything feels completely surreal. That is pretty much my story in a nutshell. And I'm sure we delve further into what came thereafter. As I think about that in that moment where you received a phone call, was delivered the news, what role did your faith or your spirituality play in Mm. managing yourself through that reality? I would say a way bigger role than I was consciously aware of at that very moment. It was such an unfolding and I believe it is an unfolding that happened the weeks and months and years after Rob's passing that was there to be seen, there to be discovered and there to be embraced, I need to say, because a lot of people talk to me about this because I dealt with my grief so differently compared to most of the world, I would say. And when Rob passed away, I had this one sentence in my head that Rob and I had talked about a couple of years prior in those what if conversations, what would you do if something was to happen to you? And those conversations always ended in, I would want you to create the happiest life possible for the boys and you. And we would say that to each other. When I heard the news of Rob's passing and I had to walk downstairs to tell my boys who were waiting in the living room for me to take them to martial arts training, that was the sentence I had in my head. And that to me, I didn't realize that in that very moment, because everything was so surreal and I was in in such overwhelming functioning mode, but delving back into it and discovering where did that start? Where did that come from? It was in that very moment when I hugged my voice, that sentence became my North Star. So whatever I did, whatever I had to decide or do was based on the, is this going to create happiness for us? Yes or no? Super simple because life's so not easy in a situation like that. So you need it to be simple, if that makes sense. And to me, I just knew that's where I had to go. I had no idea how to get there, but I knew that's where I had to go because this is what Rob would want for us. But I want to say one thing because I often hear people, I don't know why, but this just came to me and I usually go with gut instinct when something comes to me. People often go into comparison in terms of losses, you know, which loss is worse and which is stronger. I had one dad come into a group who's a huge supporter of our movement and he lost his son to suicide. I was still in that mindset when I first started the group, there can't be anything worse than losing a child. And he was the one who actually changed that belief for me. He said, who are we to judge whose loss is worse or deeper? Loss is loss and it is the worst for that person experiencing it. So what we need to do is we need to learn rather than standing there and judging and comparing, we need to learn to hold space for people and to send them love. I just wanted to put that in there because, of course, to me in that situation, it was intense. I'd be lying when I said it was a walk in the park. Sometimes looking back, I'm wondering how did I get to where I am now? Because the pain was really intense at the beginning. Yet very soon, I got this strong sense 
of guidance. And when you asked me about faith, all of that came to me. I wanted to put that all into the package. There was a lot of faith-based experiences and epiphanies that I had. And I think the strongest one, to finish off that question, the strongest one was for me when I had this realization that this was the path that Rob and I had chosen for each other on a soul level. I've chosen this path together. And from a human experience, it's not that easy to just accept that. But from a spiritual experience, it is the most beautiful realization filled with so much love. There are no words to describe that. You make a point of saying that you can't really get into the comparison game. Mm. One loss is more deeply felt than other losses. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Mm. I remember losing my dad. Mm. When I got the phone call that he had passed away, it was almost like I felt informed. There wasn't a big emotional response. I remember having to travel from Iowa. I was living in the state of Mm. Iowa at that time, and I had to fly to New York. I remember feeling Mm. a sense of obligation and a sense of having to take care of business while I was there. I didn't have an opportunity to process grief the way I would say, I don't know what a normal way of processing. I felt like I didn't have that opportunity. And I took business I had to take care of, got back on the plane to head back to Iowa. And then I really felt a relief. And there was a man that Mm. was next to me and he just looked at me. He just said, everything is going to be fine. I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't never felt that I actually grieved his loss until I was watching a movie about 10 years later. Yeah. 10 years later, I was watching yeah. a movie with a movie icon of the same generation mm-hmm. as my dad. And that's yeah. when it hit me. I was like, wow. And then the floodgates opened. So I can't yeah. explain that, but that's what it was. That's beautiful though, because I embrace when things like that happen nowadays because people have this, you have this belief that grief will always stay with you. I don't agree with that because I personally treat grief like a visitor these days. And when things like that happen, what you just described, for me, it's been 30 years since my dad passed. I was 20 when I lost my dad and I had a really close relationship with him. And back then I thought this was the worst that could ever happen to me. Yet it wasn't. I didn't know that back then, luckily, because I don't know what it would have done to me if I would have known there was something worse to come. Yet... Even though losing rock was worse, the way I dealt with it was so much better. And that was due to what I had learned from my dad's passing. That was due to the training I did in mindset. I've been practicing and teaching that for over seven years at the time when Rob passed. So that came in really helpful, I have to say. Also, my spiritual beliefs are very different and have grown so much since my dad passed. Different scenarios, different circumstances. I was a completely different person at the time. Yet it was also different to lose my dad and to lose Rob, like the dad to my children. And then last year, we lost Rob's dad. So I have lost three significant father figures in my life. And all three of them were extremely different. Being with Octavio in the room, my father-in-law when he passed, was an incredibly sacred experience. It was so spiritual to witness him transitioning and the whole family being in a room holding him in love. That was amazing you know so I think I completely got off track right on track with that you know there was Mm -hmm. a follow-up question I wanted to ask you sure because many times I've seen when a person has gone through grief and it's a long suffering process for them there's a recommendation Mm -hmm. 
or a suggestion that they seek counseling or therapy. So I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you if you had that thought, if you did seek therapy or something, you know, to get you through some of those dark moments. Yeah, the short answer is absolutely yes. I absolutely recommend that. And with the little side note of please trust your gut instinct when it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Okay, so you need to find somebody who you can connect with. Trust your gut instinct that it feels right when you're there. You need to have that feeling, this person can hold me in my grief. That's what you need, just that feeling, this person can hold me, this person gets me. I was really lucky. I actually started therapy after my dad passed. I went through on and off for 10 years, went on this whole journey, delving into my childhood, a lot of stuff, unhealed trauma came up from my childhood when my dad passed away. And I want to say this here because we often underestimate how much unresolved trauma from our childhood, if we have it, and a lot of us do, gets re-triggered through an adversity. I experienced the opening of the can of worms when my dad passed away, went to therapy. That's when everything came up. I re-experienced levels of unhealed trauma that were still there after my husband passed. And I had, again, triggers coming back when Otavio passed. It's really interesting to watch the different levels that I was at. I was so consciously aware of what was happening with Rob's passing and then Otavio's because I had grown so much through my self-development journey. When Rob passed, it was a very intense week for us per se anyway, but his funeral was Wednesday. And on Sunday in the same week, I walked our little one down the aisle for his first Holy Communion. And I remember how intense that was for me because I had just gone through so much anyway and there was no break for me. As soon as we were done with the funeral arrangements, I was so lucky that Rob's best friend and his wife took over the whole celebration, you know, having everybody over for afternoon tea. I'm so glad they did that. I was not ready to have anybody in our house. I felt so vulnerable in our house. I didn't want anybody to come in. But I walked down the aisle and because we live in a small country town, all eyes were on us because everybody knew that Rob had just passed my tears. I could not stop my tears and I was really giving it my best effort to not start sobbing. Forced a smile when Jed looked around and looked at me. He was so aware of what was going on. We were so vulnerable and I felt we were looked at, watched. And I just made it to the altar, then walked back and let him sit with his godfather. I walked outside and I fell apart. I just burst into tears. And that same evening, I had a nervous breakdown in our kitchen. I completely fell apart. I had nothing left. I felt my body was just completely giving up. It started off with one sentence that I said to the boys because they were bickering or brushing their teeth, you know, and less boys do. And all of a sudden, I just called out to them and I said, I just need peace and quiet. And the moment I said that, it was like I had opened a valve that I couldn't close anymore. I started calling that sentence over and over again, louder until I started screaming it. And I was screaming on top of my lungs and it turned into this absolute primal scream. Then I found myself on the kitchen floor. I can't even remember collapsing at all. I just was on the kitchen floor. I was whacking kitchen cupboards. I was screaming my lungs out. It was such a release that my body needed. And then it hit me after that. I felt so scared, worried, ashamed for my boys, you know, because I'm like, they have witnessed that. They have just lost the dad and now they witness the mom falling apart. And in my head, I was like, I can't let this happen again. I just walked upstairs. I had the most beautiful conversation with them about what just happened, how I felt. And I looked at them and said, I think I need to get help too. 
And that was the starting point of me finding a positive psychologist who I worked with for four months after Rob passed. It was the most beautiful and most fast forward healing journey I had with her because of my background, my mindset, everything she said was like seeds planted in absolute fertile soil, if that makes sense. It was incredible. A really beautiful journey. I can so recommend it. You had the wherewithal to have the conversation with your boys Mm. because they were still Mm. quite young. They were only eight and 10. Eight and 10. I'm sure that experience left an impression on them because at eight and 10, absolutely don't know what they're processing. They don't understand it. And they can say, mom, that's okay. Mama, that's all right. Mm. But in essence, it's already happened. The imprint is already there. Absolutely. That's why I felt so guilty about it when it happened. You know, I really needed to work through that with a psychologist. And it was actually incredible in such that a couple of days later, the same thing happened to my older son. And in the weirdest way, it was so good that it happened to me first. So I could explain to my younger son when it happened that he did nothing wrong. It was just his way of expressing his grief and that he didn't know how to deal with it. And that's what happened to me when I broke down in the kitchen. I said, sometimes it's just so overwhelming that we don't know what to do with it, but it's not your fault. It's just that he didn't know how to deal with it. And in a very bizarre way, I could explain to him what had happened because I had experienced it because otherwise I wouldn't have known what was going on with him when that happened. It made so much sense when I watched it happen and I felt so much grief and pain from him and I didn't know how to help him other than just being there and holding him. You know, it was just very intense, that journey. And how are they now, the boys? They are unbelievable. Seriously, they are on such a great path. They are now 15 and 13. I'm a mom of two teenagers now. And I had literally just on Valentine's Day, actually, out of the blue, my older son started talking about our journey and opened up about suicide, as in not from his or their end, but from what's going on at school and how some kids think or talk about it. And he said, Mama, I think you need to do something. You need to work with kids. And I said to him, me, God, I'm still sitting here because when Otavio passed last year, it re-triggered my anxiety whether I provided the right healing space for my boys. I was really convinced that for me, for us, it was the right journey. Yet I wasn't always 100% convinced when I looked at them, did I provide enough space for grieving? Because I was so focused on creating a happy life for them. So I said that to them and they're now at an age where we can so openly talk about it, which is really beautiful because they've got a level of maturity that is beyond their age, really, as you can imagine through their journey. I think that, and I said, God, no, I'm still wondering if I provided the right space for you. And he said, For us, of course you did. So we went into this beautiful conversation about their memories that they have from dad's passing, about the journey that we walked and what those things did for them. I sat there and I'm getting emotional now, but I burst into tears when he told me that because it was such a beautiful proof for me that I had chosen the right path for them. A question that I've been asking myself for the last four and a half years was answered there and then at our dinner table on Valentine's Day. I just looked at them and I was so proud of them, so proud of them. And there was so much love. There was so much acknowledgement of our journey, of our growth, of the depth that we've gone through together. And it was not even prompted by me, you know, it came from my older son and I was just floored by what came out of that conversation. And a couple of weeks later, yesterday, 
I drove him to his first job interview and I'm like, oh my God, you've grown up so much. I'm so proud of them, you know, and he walked in on his own and just himself, just floored. I'm really proud of them. They're doing extremely well. You have to be proud. You have to be proud. (laughs) Thank you. You mentioned your self-awareness, instinctively self-aware of what was happening Mm -hmm. in the moment. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned some unexpected challenges that came along the way as you started Mm -hmm. to find your way to joy. Outside of the emotional yeah. releases, were there challenges or even triumphs that you had mm. on the way that you were really aware of? Yeah, I'm thinking back in the early stages because the first nine months were such an intense fast-forward journey. Rob passed in June, then four months later I wrote and published a book about our journey. Then a couple of weeks later we embarked on a two-month journey around the world that took the boys travelling. And then we came back and they went back to school. So those nine months were just so intense. And I remember when Flynn went back to school, my older son, he had a teacher that, let's just put it in the most polite way I can say it, and not very fond of. Yeah, he's very nice with adults, with the parents, really charming and everything, but a power break, I can't put it in other words, with children. So I personally think he should not be teaching unfortunately he had Flynn in his last year of primary school before he went to high school after what had happened and I took him aside at the beginning of the year because I knew there was a bit of a personality clash between him and Flynn I said I want you to understand that you are now the biggest male influence in my boy's life I don't want you to take that lightheartedly you need to work with me if there's anything going on any issues any problems please talk to me involve me I need to know this so I can support him and point him in the right direction and he was all year charming as always of course and it was the complete polar opposite he really made Flynn's life hell at school and halfway through the year Flynn came to me in tears and he said I am not going back to school I'm not ever going back to school I want to change schools and I sat there going my god we're half year away from finishing primary school seven years of primary school. That's how our school system works here in Australia. And now this, I didn't know what to do. I felt so helpless. I felt so, God, I wish I could discuss this with Rob. I don't know what to do here, what the right answer is. And I actually laid awake. I'm not even exaggerating all night. I fell asleep half an hour before I was supposed to get up at 5.30 in the morning. I was up all night praying. I was praying. I was asking Rob, I was asking the universe and God and everybody around me, everybody guiding me, supporting me. I'm like, please give me an answer here. I need an answer. And I was not very well versed with the Bible, yet I did get numbers and it felt like a Bible verse to me. It it was a bizarre feeling. And I did not have a name, just the numbers. I'm like, how am I going to find that? So I went to my Bible app that I had and I typed in the numbers and I scrolled and scrolled and found the answer and I can't remember the exact verse, but I remember looking at it and it had something to do around the lines of taking him away from evil. And I was like, I need to take him out of school. That was such a goosebump moment for me. I have never actually publicly shared this moment, but I just felt called to do this right now. And it was such a goosebump moment. I had such clarity in my heart that I needed to take him away. And we had four days left of the first half of that year. And I looked at Flynn and I said, Flynn, I promise you, I will find a solution, but please work with me. You have four more days. Can you handle that? And he said, yes, mom, I can. I'm like, okay. So in those four days, 
I went to the new school that came to me that night where he had to go. It was an absolute clear, this is where he needs to go. I'm like, wow, of course. Why did I never think of that? It was a primary school opposite the high school where he was going to. So I'm like, he gets half of your head start to meet new friends, to meet new people. And then he's got more and more kids that he already knows. So I'm like, this is so perfect. So I called the new school. Then as soon as I got the okay, I went to his primary school. And so I took the four days to organize everything, the paperwork, the new uniform, the meeting with the principal. And that was one of the biggest moments. It was a really huge moment for me to make such a big decision on my own. And I felt so guided. I felt so guided. I had absolute certainty. And we so often talk about this. Flynn said that was the best move that you could have ever done for me, mom. I just so needed the fresh start. And he flourished after that. He was just so happy at school. It just made my day. But it was so worth it. It was so good. Full on mama bear. Seriously, yeah. after Rob passed, it got tripled. It was just this, you know, lion mom, don't you dare touch my cubs. <laughs> you get very overprotective, of course. You know, they had been through so much. I'm like, I need to protect them. And yeah. you did exactly what you should have done in that situation and served you well. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. I think about the things that happen in our lives and the thought mm. is, why is this happening to me? Yeah. But sometimes flipping that around and saying, why is this happening for me? I love that question. It's so good because a lot of you come from this, why is this happening to me space? And I lived there for the first 30 years of my life. It's not comfortable. It's victimhood. I didn't like it. So I changed it. It was over a decade worth of work. So it was not like I flipped the switch, but I recognized victimhood behavior and I didn't like it I was sinking in that prediction of behavior when my dad passed and when Rob passed I was already on the other side luckily how is this happening for me and when you ask that question you really do get answers and there are so many hidden gifts in adversity and it's just up to you to open your heart and mind to receiving them because they're there for you so allow yourself to look at this how is this happening for me and that is a really intense question to tell people when they've just gone through a really tragic loss, you know. So I think if we can ask ourselves that question, it is really beautiful. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think it activates something different in our soul and our heart and our brains Mm -hmm. when you look at the situation completely differently. Yeah, absolutely. It's no longer, like you mentioned, the victim type of mindset. Yeah. It becomes Mm -hmm. actually more creative, in terms of how to make the situation better or make it work for you in some way. Yeah. I remember when I sat with Emily, the positive psychologist I told you about, who I started working with after my nervous breakdown. One day in her office, I talked to her about all these expectations of how I'm supposed to be grieving and everybody is on a very different path in terms of grief. And I chose a very outstandingly different journey for us because I knew that's where we wanted to be. That's where Rob wanted us to be. It felt so good for us. And I said that to her, she asked me, so what does grief mean to you, Marie? And to my own surprise, the answer that came up was empowerment. I said to her, wow, this is really bizarre. I had this one word come up, empowerment. Is I did not expect to find empowerment in grief, yet I feel that The reason why I felt so extremely empowered throughout the journey was because of Rob's strong guidance. I could so feel him around us all the time. I knew when he was with us because of the Spirit's strong guidance. I had such a spiritual awakening on the journey. 
that I didn't even notice as much while it was happening. But looking back, I saw the growth that had happened and the strong connection of allowing that in to be guided because I felt it early on, yet I had to learn to trust it and lean into it. And that is when the magic started happening. And I really love that. Magic, it sparks a lot in the imagination. It's something that Mm. happens as a result of certain things coming together. So let's talk about the movement and let's talk about what you're doing now as you work with clients and how that part of your life has changed. So the book I mentioned that I wrote four months after Rob passed is called Loving Life After Loss. And it ranked in the top 100 of Australia. It became an Amazon number one bestseller. And I did not expect that at all. I was so blown away by it. When we traveled around the world and I sat in Vienna, where I was originally from, I remember sitting in my mom's apartment and I was reminiscing and going back the journey, how far we have come in those seven months. And that's when it hit me. I had this epiphany where I'm like, this is so much more than a book. I need to do something with this. That's when the idea of the movement was born, which I think is so beautiful because the idea of the movement is born in the same city that I was born. You know, it's actually quite nice when I think about it. And when I came back to Australia, I reached out to a coach that I had been following for a while. And I knew that his thing is building movements, building tribes. I reached out to him. I had interviewed him in my previous coaching business. I said, look, Mark, this is what happened since we last spoke in a nutshell. I need your help. I want to do something with this. And I said, cool, let's catch up. So we caught up, we started. And three weeks later, I was sitting in his workshop and recording my first welcome video for the group. I opened the doors to Loving Life After Loss, March 19. And I remember within weeks, we had hundreds of people come in. And then at the end of the year, we're just close to a thousand. I'm like, come on, I want to get to a thousand members. And then all of a sudden, one article came out in the Mamma Mia, which is a parenting magazine in Australia with 4 million readers. And Literally within two weeks, we more than doubled the members in our group. We went over 2,000. Now we've got 3,500 people in a group. It's growing quite steadily. I literally just focus on exactly what the title suggests, loving life after loss. And I think it has become such a filter for who comes into our group. It has become a clear direction. It is a call to action. I really love how it works on so many levels. It's a way of life. It's a choice. And people who choose to come into our movement, are usually those who've already got their heart open to wanting this, wanting that change and might not know how to. So I started creating healing journeys, healing programs. And then in November 2019, we had our first retreat. And now this year, it's really the only thing I focus on because the retreat bring the biggest and deepest transformation. Three and a half days with me (laughs) it's just really incredibly magical because we can do so much in those three and a half days there is so much learning about reframing shifting your perspective which is the base of all healing really and then tools how to actually get that how to get into this space of acceptance and how to neutralize your pain because so many people expect to go from pain to pleasure and it doesn't work like that there's this neutral space in between And that's where the healing happens. Because with grief, the pain is so intense that you can't just flick the switch and tomorrow you're happy. There is this space where you need to neutralize this. And that is when you shift your perspective, when you understand grief from a different level. And when you go into this soul journey of yours and understand 
that this is what you have chosen. And I love that exactly when I said, when you understand the soul journey, this massive black butterfly just came to my office door. And I love this when this happens. <laughs> oh my goodness. So this is what we do in our movement. We hold space, we send love. We really look at the beauty of our journey and where we want to be in most other grief groups that you look into there is comparison battles at its finest whose loss is worse and i can hardly breathe in those groups because everything is heavy and sad and life will never be the same really just victimhood behavior christopher talked about his son who took his own life and he said i don't ever compare it so depends on your circumstances your relationship there's so many layers he said don't compare because when you compare you're not helping people. And that really shifted something for me. So I have stopped comparing it for other people and just going to, okay, how can I help you? Because that's the only thing that matters. How can I help you? How can I help you heal rather than is this worse or not? Because when you go into is this worse, you stay in victimhood and you can't heal in victimhood. But let's talk a little bit about the programs that you have that would be more virtual oriented. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, there is a group. In the group, there is really daily motivation, support. There's somebody who will hold space for you and hold love for you because I've got a team of moderators that are from around the world. So the gentleman that I mentioned at the beginning, Christopher, he is one of my moderators and he's from Canada. And I've got Cheryl and Terry here in Australia. Cheryl is actually in the process of moving back to the States. So there'll always be somebody awake around the clock and they're very much on the ball with the group to hold space and just be there to support people. I'm in the group really daily. I'm absolutely present in the group. I would often reach out to people behind the scenes when I feel that there's something that I don't want to address with everybody watching. They might feel really vulnerable. So I often send them a quick video message or a quick question or ask, do you want to jump on a quick call to direct them where I feel best um, off with their healing journey. And that's not always my programs. That's not always my retreat. That's sometimes just, I really feel that you might want to find a local group or might want to talk to your GP or might want to try out EMDR, which is an incredible tool in the space of grief. So there's different options. And in a group, people really feel that they get this daily unheld. I'm not alone, that feeling. And that is absolutely free to just mm-hmm. be there and Often people sit on the sidelines or they share their journey, whatever feels right for anyone. And then I have put together a really super short program. It's literally just three short modules, which is like three short videos. I've called it Stop the Pain. This is really for the first absolute intensity. How do I actually just stop this intense pain? And I put three little videos out there to just work through that. They can watch it in their own time and just get that. And I wanted to make this affordable for anyone so a little course is literally seven us dollars that is just out there for anyone and affordable for everyone and then there is the next step which is my seven step program it's called from grief to relief and that is a little bit more in depth it goes a little bit deeper and that's where the real work happens in terms of shifting your perspective how do you do that and what is the best way of doing it and again it comes with seven videos it's actually got more than seven videos there's seven steps but i have a bit of bonus material in there for people to learn a few tools as well there is a inner child exercise inner best friend higher self there are some really beautiful 
very useful tools that I have put on as bonus material in that course. And that goes for 47 US dollars. So I'm, I'm absolutely transparent here with the pricing as well, because I want people to understand what is there for them. There are very many different forms of grief. There's always the option to look at other ways of working with me when people really do need it. I don't offer a lot of one-on-ones anymore yet. It really depends on the situation. Sometimes really that is the only option or the best option for people in the moment. And we can only find that out when we connect and chat so I'm always open to just listening and holding space for the person and we take it from there I have my two books Loving Love After Loss that started the whole idea of the movement and then um, in 2022 I published my second book which is called Happy Healing Happy Healing talks about what happened after the first book got published it talks about our journey around the world how I started a movement and it also has the seven steps from grief to relief in it not with all the modules not with all the details but it explains the seven steps and that often is just enough you know, for people to read that it's just really beautiful so the books are both available on Amazon as ebook or paperback whatever you prefer and then there is my website of course there is just absolute bucket loads of material there's so much going on in the world it's hard to come across anyone who hasn't some form of death or some form of grief or the loss of someone there is this misconception there's this misunderstanding that so many people go from this space of the more i suffer the more i show people how much i love this person and for me it is polar opposite. The more joy I bring into this world, the more I show how much Rob and I were built on love and connection and joy. This was our base. This is our house that we built together. And I'm not going to trash that down because he passed. This is something that we have built. I needed to make sure that I would hold that house up without him being there. That's what I promised him. Even though both of us thought that was theory when we talk about the what if, but when it did happen, this was my only way of living really this was my only path and I didn't realize that straight away but I acted like that straight away from the moment I held my kids when they were screaming and crying when I told them about their dad's passing this is when it kicked in this is when I'm taking you to happiness because that's where you belong and that to me was incredible but it took me a while to understand when and what happened there is this huge myth the more i cry the more i stay stuck i have to now suffer forever no you are supposed to live that life i want to make sure we had the opportunity to have this conversation because i do believe that it's timely it's very timely and the work you're doing humbles me it really it really humbles me because there are so many people that are in so much pain and sadness in the world Mm. and need people like you with a passion for life. Thank you for yeah. the work that you do. Yeah, most welcome. Thank you so much for the acknowledgement. It was my absolute pleasure. It's so nice to connect with you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated and left a review or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.